In the year 2010, a little film was released in the theaters that sparked a revolution. One name was chanted throughout the world in a cult classic, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. And we are here to talk about it because I remember this movie came out in theaters. I saw the trailer. I thought, hey, that's awesome. And much like Ryan, the person who was next to me is like, wow, that movie looks stupid. And then the first time I ever saw it while well, I was getting my first ever tattoo. Yeah, I, I was going to say with that intro, Ben, I was like, boy, I wish that was true. Yeah, this I movie wish, flops. I wish that, <laughs> yeah. that it nope. caught the world. We, we're the only three people who saw this movie, apparently. <laughs> I never saw it in theaters. I was, oh, like, hey, I was like, hey, not only that, do you remember back in like olden Facebook days, you know, when Facebook was good? Uh, there was like a, a thing promoting the movie where you can uh, create your own little Scott yes. Pilgrim 100%. avatar. I made it. And, I still yeah. have it. Oh, yeah. It's it. I could. Oh, God. If I like scroll through my Facebook photos, I could find my own because I had that and I wanted to go see the movie. I just never did. Uh, anyway. I'm Sparks Woody. That's Ben Magnet who opened the show up, uh, but forgot to say names. And this yeah. is Ryan Eliopoulos. Hello, I'm here to you, you punched me in the boob. Prepare to die. Obviously. We're here. We're here for a fake nerd cinephile on Scott Pilgrim versus the world. If you've been paying attention to the channel, you know that we're ramping up our Scott Pilgrim stuff because Scott Pilgrim, bleh, excuse me, Scott Pilgrim takes off came out, and we are ramping up to a discussion on that show. Oh yeah. Uh, by revisiting all the previous Scott Pilgrim material. Um, this film in particular is written by Edgar Wright and Michael Bacall, uh, and it's directed by Edgar Wright. Bacall? Um, yeah, and it came out 2010, and, uh, I was at Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con. I was in Texas. I couldn't even go to Comic-Con. And, uh, I went to the Scott Pilgrim panel, and that was in Hall H, and at the panel, we, uh, this was really funny because Chris Evans had just just been announced as captain america mm -hmm. like a little uh -huh. bit before so when michael Sarah came out for the panel he came out in a captain america costume mm -hmm. which was really funny <laughs> um i remember everybody geeking out over that and then uh everybody in that hall h panel was offered the opportunity like i don't remember if we got tickets or how it worked but mm -hmm. to go see scott pilgrim versus the world for the first time that night amazing um so we were at the technical world premiere um because of that and there were i think there were two showings that weekend and we were at the first one That's um, awesome. so yeah. some of the cast members came out Edgar Wright was there it was a, this whole thing it was really cool um it took up like half our day to go get in line and make sure we got to that movie but like 100% worth it Oh yeah, uh, and that's when I bought like all the Scott Pilgrim books at that San Diego Comic Con that I <laughs> that, like I bought them all and I'm like yeah I gotta I gotta I must consume mm -hmm. consume <laughs> um I yeah. can only imagine. I can only imagine like a bunch of the vendors at Comic Con that year is like, "Wow, this Scott Pilgrim thing! A lot of people are buying this." It's like, yeah, we saw the movie last night. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was it was big and buzzworthy. I remember like the the Hilton. I think had the gigantic like the movie poster covering the building, and that was oh. a big deal because that was like the first time that happened mm. at oh. the San Diego Comic Con, where like you had a movie thing that covered like half of one of the big buildings by the convention center. No, that's a um, building. And it was the image that's behind us in, in large, mm -hmm. the, the <laughs> Scott with the guitar and everything. Um, the BS. Yeah, and I, I love that movie. I love that movie so much when I saw it then. I love that movie still, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I have a complicated relationship with it now. That's because the thing is, like, when I saw it, uh, not all the books were out. So, like, and I'd already read the first one and then nothing else. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so when I saw the movie, that motivated me to pick it up and I read the rest and I'm like, wow, this is all so good. And there's differences, but it all jives with it. We're going to talk about it on the Finkner Book Club where we get to the last volumes of the of the book series. But um, having read those books, there are things about it that like, it's not the movie's fault. Those books weren't out, that kind of thing. But they make it harder for me to appreciate certain parts of the movie, specifically Ramona. Sure. Because yeah. the more I revisit the movie, like the, especially the back half of the movie, Ramona feels like she loses agency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's hard for me to like the movie as much because of it. Sure. Uh, even though I think I love that movie. Yeah. yeah. I also, I love the movie. I have no complicated feelings because I haven't read those last volumes of the book. This is just a great movie to me. Uh, uh, and having only read volumes one and two, I've read, actually, I'm just gonna, I've, I've read more than the first two volumes, but this was like a long time ago. So I might as well not have read it because my memory is shitty. Uh, but man, seeing this movie, uh, like, like we were talking before the show, like I saw this my senior year of high school, Ben, you saw it like, you know, the year after, like when, or the, the, you're one year older than me. So like your freshman year of college. So like, <laughs> this was like a, a formative movie for me, man. Like, like, good. No, unfortunately, I didn't. I never got the chance to see this movie in theaters. I just remember the marketing because we were talking yeah. about how they had a that they were doing a big Facebook marketing push for Scott Pilgrim, where you could create your own avatar. And I wanted to see the movie, but I never did. I finally mm-hmm. did see it uh, two year about like a, two years later. Wow. I was at my tattoo artist, and he was giving me he was doing my first tattoo. My dad was there, and then to just I, keep my mind off things, we, he put on Scott Pilgrim, and I watched it there. What it wasn't the best way for me to first see the movie because <laughs> yeah. Cause I was, you know, I was getting needles. I was getting art drawn out of my skin and I, uh, and I was watching Scott Pilgrim just pop in vanilla Tootsie rolls to stop myself from fainting. Mm-hmm. When I got my tattoo, day. when my, What's when that? I got my tattoo, uh, killer clowns from outer space was playing on the television. And I'm like approximating that experience to your experience watching Scott Pilgrim. And we're like, that's such a terrible way to like step in and see this movie. And it's so hard. It's also a fun movie. It is. It's hard, but but like, it's not a way that you would want to no, no, no. experience Scott Pilgrim. No, no, no. Uh, right. And I, it's so hard for me to imagine, even though I understand that like Ben pre this time period, like coming out of high school, Ben kind of, sh- you hit a little bit of your nerd stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but like, it's so hard for me to imagine you, Ben, uh, when the trailer comes out and Scott in the trailer says, uh, they're like, what are you going to do, Scott? And he's like, I'm getting a life. And he grabs the one up life and that you didn't go. I have to see this movie immediately. It's so hard for me to wrap my head around. Yeah, it it was. I was living at Cal State Northridge. I didn't have my own transportation. I didn't have my car or I didn't have my motorcycle up at school with me my freshman year. Why? I don't know. I think I just. Oh, no, I do remember why. It's because someone gave me the wrong information on how much a parking pass was for a vehicle. And I'm like, I don't have that kind of money. So yeah. I just kept it at home. And I was like, if I need to go somewhere, I'll just beg someone to. One of the, the biggest the- scams of college, making you pay to park there. Yeah, I know. And I was living on campus, which was even worse. Yeah. Um, but when I finally, yeah, because when I finally did see the movie the first time, it was a, it wasn't a bad experience, but it also wasn't like, it wasn't the first or it wasn't the ideal setting. Yeah. You didn't see it like in your home or a theater. You were, you were getting pinched. A thousand yeah. Times. I was, yeah. I was in a tattoo chair. I was getting into my tattoo done and it was, it cause you, you know, you could hear the motor of the needle and uh, everything else going on. My dad was talking to, to the tattoo artist and I was just sitting there watching Scott Pilgrim trying to listen to what they're saying. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it wasn't until uh, maybe a year or six months later when the movie came up on Netflix, like for the first time, where mm-hmm. I finally sat down and, and honest to goodness watched it. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is really neat. I like this movie. But yeah, uh, but just like, because uh, um, I think Ryan, you said you were there, you you were at the movie theater with your grandfather or your or your dad, and you looked at it and you're like, man, that movie looks great. And your dad was like, man, that movie looks stupid. The exact same thing happened to me. Yeah, we saw the trailer. I saw the trailer with my dad, and I thought, "What?" And I looked over at my dad. I was like, "Wow, that movie!" I was like, "You know, what? I want to see that." And my dad's like, "Before I could say anything, my dad leans over, like that movie looks really freaking stupid." I'm like, "Shut up!" Yeah. This is a, this is not the same movie, but I will never forget my entire life that I went with like seven of my friends to go see Speed Racer, and four of them left halfway through because I hated it. And I was just like, we are, I know we're friends, but we're on different wavelengths of entertainment, man. It's crazy. Like they walked out of that movie. And I'm like, this is one of the greatest movies ever made. Y'all are stupid. <laughs> I had a great time. Uh, hey, people are just built differently, you know? I uh, can't handle some stuff. For, for our video watchers, I have a quick moment I'll share, which is, it's a little fuzzy, but this is my Facebook, <laughs> Scott Pilgrim, that Ben brought up. I found it. Hold up. You know what? <laughs> I'll find That looks kind of like Scott. It does. <laughs> well, I mean, like, the hair color is the same, but then it's pretty reductive down from yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I, I'll find mine just because you brought yours up. I'll bring mine up. I think uh, the details on this are pretty bad as far as the visual, but I'm pretty sure he has a goatee. Oh, it's sure. just really close. Oh, around yeah, the yeah. Mouth, um, yeah. Because I definitely had a goatee at the time. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. This movie did not do well. Uh, I saw it four times in theaters. So I, I definitely yeah, I, saw I, it like three. I, I definitely try. I like I dragged my friends who I knew would like like video game folks. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, it's formative. And I'm not joking. Like I love this movie so much. Like it's one of the movies that made me want to be a film director. And like I moved to California to be a film director. You know, things happen that happen. But like Edgar Wright is such a incredible filmmaker. And like this movie just it, it merges everything I love about video games and movies. And it's just one of the most well edited movies of all time. Uh, I think this is a good this is a good question for this. Is uh, what was your like Edgar Wright exposure before this? Oh, I, I saw uh, uh, Shaun of the Dead. I think I don't know what it was. Just Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. I saw those. So so yeah, uh, I was ready for, for us for us in particular. I remember yeah. because like friend uh, my friend Michael like uh, who was key part of this group and Brandon was there too and like all of us really liked Hot Fuzz yeah so the moment that we knew this was like right and all that kind of stuff like we were already like buzzing from like thinking Hot Fuzz was one of the best films that we'd seen in the past few years oh yeah uh, as far as like an action comedy the great and good and so going into Scott Pilgrim we were like god this how could this like Hot Fuzz was one of the and and honestly I still maintain that I think Hot Fuzz might be Edgar Wright's best movie yeah um but like going into this, there was so much like, yes, Edgar Wright doing it. Uh, we were carrying that that very loftily and strongly onto it. And and I don't think Edgar Wright disappoints entirely. No. Right. So, yeah. so I found mine. Nice. It's yes. not the best. It's not the best. It's really zoomed in. Oh no, yeah. 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 That's dope. Yeah. <laughs> um uh, audio listeners, it's my own Scott Pilgrim avatar with headphones, a bass guitar on my back, and I'm holding a katana. That's the stuff. That's the Got that blonde hair, man. I definitely know I made that, but like I haven't used Facebook in so long. Like I think it's probably that's so funny. It's in the trash. I I, I made the I mistake. That, of... was, that was such a targeted moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it yeah, has become that... like like you said, Ben. It has become like a cult classic. Like you know, they maybe moving not might not have done There's well. So many, but it's like it's gotten so much like more popularity over the years. Oh yeah, 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 Scott, and especially like now with the show out i'm seeing it you know revitalized again for another generation of people who are like holy shit and like what i really like is that i think the show 
just as an outside perspective, it's not only getting people to revisit the movie, but like go read the books yeah. and, and embrace all of what Scott Pilgrim is. And I think that's awesome, but definitely like, uh, I listened to unspooled. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, Paul Shear Paul yeah, yeah. was on there saying he saw the movie and, and like hated it the first three times he saw it or something. Sure. And didn't get it. But he, I guess he felt like something was nagging at him about why didn't he like it. Mm-hmm. And it, like the fourth or fifth time he was like, something clicked. And then he, he really, really loves it now. And it, it and I think that's interesting too. It's a, that's not an isolated experience. I think, especially from an older generation, the, yeah. like generation just above us and higher that like, mm-hmm. they, they kind of rub up against Scott Pilgrim the first time they see it for some reason. Yeah. And I don't really know what that is. If I had to 100%, guess, 100% having hear that, if I had to guess, and this isn't a negative, but the movie is like is like a movie on ADHD. It's like ADHD movie. Like there's so much editing, there's so much happening, there's so many quick cuts, there's so many like special effects like coming out of nowhere. It's not a traditional like kind of like regular movie. There's a lot of shit ha- thro- they're throwing at you at all times. So if if like it might be like like too much, just you're, there's too much shit on me kind of situation, yeah. you know. And it's also like about video games. So like if you're older, you might not care about that like that aesthetic. So like, you know, there's, it's, I'm gonna, there's so many cuts in this movie, but it's great cuts. I'm going to put something else out there that I think like it, it, it affected my perception of it going in, but didn't, didn't really matter when I was watching the movie. Um, and even then, like, I, I'm kind of coming at it from the reverse of what I'm about to say, but th- about Michael Sarah being the central protagonist, I yeah. think there is a tendency, especially at that time for the older generations to not consider Michael Sarah a serious character oh sure. like like him playing a serious protagonist at the center of a story like they don't he's satirical they don't take him seriously because they've never taken him seriously in anything before which was also something i recognized about the movie and the fact that when i was going to see scott pilgrim this was the first time i really cared about michael Sarah. And yeah, yeah yeah at that mm-hmm. point in time like i this was the first time i was really really now since post that i i liked him in a whole bunch of things like um the the movie he did with cat dennings and things like that but uh, I think I do think there was like a ten a uh, 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 pattern. No, yeah, because a lot Michael of Michael Sarah is not a serious person, so they're not emotionally I- investing <clears throat> in him. Yes, and because Scott presents himself in such a shallow surface level way for so much of the time, that is the character. Yeah. I do think that like people kind of like can't you can't grab onto Scott until like two-thirds into the movie or like separate as an yeah, emotional yeah. center and and at, during that time like this was like when michael Sarah was like at his peak being in a lot of movies he did play a lot of the same type of like shwarmy um this kind of guy character yeah, yeah. so like if you look at it at the surface he is kind of like that character in this but he really isn't like if you like he's actually he's trying a little bit uh also like the script is kind of perfect for the type of character the character actor he is uh, he is capable of more than just being the kid from Superbad. It's just he was typecasted for like the next like five years being that character. Yeah. Uh, so people were kind of like tired of him in a way that like people are tired of like, you know, Chris Pratt or The Rock. They're like, oh, you're doing the same thing. Over and I over think again. that's even more like a generation above us or higher is is even more like tuned out, not yeah. really going to con- try and connect with him as the ki- as the central character. Yeah. So I do think that could be part of it. Um, because like I had my own and and still have my qualms about Michael Sarah in the role of Scott. Yeah. I think he's right for the movie as the movie is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think he's a, a good casting choice for like the Scott Pilgrim I know from the book. Yeah, like I like if I were casting him today, like he probably wouldn't be my first choice. But like I I I like him in the movie. Like I, I don't I don't hate him in the role of Scott Pilgrim. Right if now. I if I redone the casting specifically to be correct to the comics, 
it would have been Anton Yelkin. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. because yeah. because but but the thing is like also I just finished rereading the fourth book, so I know exactly where that and that the fourth book is the 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 last one when the movie's coming. Yeah, um, I believe the fifth one came out, but like the fifth one came out like just before the movie, so there was no time to do and anything. there was no time to bring yeah. any of it into the film. So you've got books one through four, and a lot of that stuff comes in there. But the thing is like up to book four even. Scott is actively staying, like running away from his own emotional center. So there's none of that in the text. Yeah. So it's very hard to bring that into this part of the story of a lot of the film. Like it all kind of happens at the end of the movie. Yeah. Because Scott is avoiding it. That's part of who he is as a character. But because of that, like you don't factor those parts of who he is into the casting of Scott. You found the power of self respect. <laughs> Yo, man, uh, let's continue with the casting uh, before we get into, like, the plot, which, yeah, I, yeah. you know, if you're watching this, you've probably seen Scott Pilgrim. Or if you're not, you should check it out. It's good. Mm. Uh, besides Scott, who I do mm. like, I think the casting in this movie is exceptional, man. Yeah. Like, I love everybody in this movie, whether it's Superman, Captain America, uh, the Captain from, Marvel. Captain Marvel, yeah. Like, everybody, everybody Guitar rules in this movie. Ramona, Katara. Uh, who? Katara. Katara, yes, the voice of Katara. Thank you, yeah, from Avatar. Um, just an exceptional cast. Like even the smaller characters really get the Aubrey shine. Plaza and yeah. Kendrick. Yeah, everybody in this movie it, it, like rules. Uh, I get like even the small characters. Like young Neil uh, is hilarious, and he's like you know one of the smaller characters, but like he's just as good as everyone else. Um, yeah, love it. I, I think the casting is like this so is, good. This is the other thing about it, it, it because like while I would say Michael Sarah is miscast from the books. I wouldn't say that about pretty much anybody else in the cast. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I like, it's weird when you, when I feel like it's a little off with the main character, but then like everybody else, except for the Cassie and Nagi twins, which is just his own thing. They're, yeah, yeah. they're not, they're not the, even characters. They're not really. the characters from the comics. And yeah, that's, yeah. that's its own thing. Again, their book was not out. Yeah. yeah. So it is what it is. Um, but outside of that, it's, it's really, really pristine casting. And, mm. and Michael Sarah has great chemistry with everyone too. Yeah, like he he works well with everybody, uh, and everyone works well with him. Like it's just like it's it feels like very seamless and like effortless the way that all these characters talk to each other, especially with how sharp the script is. It's just mm -hmm. like damn, this is this is so good, and everyone's like timing, mm -hmm. especially for like command comedy timing is so hard. But like Edgar Wright is like a genius when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah. So like, especially again coming from Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, like this is his quote unquote like biggest movie at the time. Yes, uh, and it like it shines, uh, and like this movie took over a year to edit. And I'm like, yeah, it shows, man. This is like an actual comic book come to life. It's incredible. It's like, it's incredible. Edgar Wright's such a cool person because uh, just real quick on the comment on the edit thing, um, for like the, the next, like still to this day to an extent, but like for the next like five years after Scott Pilgrim becomes a, available on Blu-ray, he just like holds little contests and encourages people to like make their own edits of like music videos yeah, or yeah. trailers. And he's like, this is the kind of shit I would like to do when I was at home, which really explains a lot about Edgar Wright as a director Yeah, where he would take like VHS reels and things and he would stitch things together to create a different narrative of what he wanted or make something that does go to music. He really likes music video trailer kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so he'd encourage like Scott Pilgrim fans to do it with Scott Pilgrim. Like he's like, I want to see what you do. And, and I remember specifically there was a whole contest of like, um he offered like seven tracks i think and one one went to each x mm, and he's like go yeah. ahead and mix a your own version of a little thing of the film i love that about this and like the different stories people would create and he he was like really connected with the fans about it, it it's just like there's there's so much 
that he gravitated towards in the making of this this movie yeah uh that meant a lot to him it's it's really striking when i when i moved to <clears throat> california uh god 12 years ago at this point uh there's a great little theater called the new beverly cinema uh and they would hold monthly scott pilgrim at midnight showings and edgar wright would show up to them and i went to two of those hoping he would be there not just i didn't go just because he was gonna be there because also scott pilgrim is there but like he loves this movie too like he's so proud of this movie and i think he deserves to be because like this really is like really something special and cool especially if like in terms of adaptations, yes, like some of the, like the the comic book stuff wasn't out, so he couldn't adapt that wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of being a comic mm -hmm. book, like a, a movie, this is one of the best, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just a great movie and also an adaptation. No, I I have to keep reminding myself and also talking with you guys because when I was watching it, I come I honest to goodness I kind of forgot because one of the, my criticisms of it of the movie when I was watching it last night was yeah they didn't really adapt like there's a really a really central scene in book three or no. Uh, in the, like book four book five and six especially and it's but then it's like oh wait of course they didn't know because the books weren't out yet yeah. <laughs> i could only assume brian leo is like this is how the story ends and they just had to go off of it from there um and i have to keep reminding myself that the books weren't finished when the movie came out because i yeah. didn't know that because when i saw the movie the first time i just thought oh okay and then when i did finally read the books years later i was like huh and when i rewatched the movie i was like huh but I yeah. do. I still agree that the way that this movie adapts the volumes that it did get a hold of is fantastic. It's almost like even when I was watching the movie, I was like, "Wow, this is like beat for beat." When I was reading the book, and for some reason, I loved it. Not for mm -hmm. well, not for some reason, but when dope. I was, because you know how there are times where you're watching an adaptation of something, and if it's 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 really really rare that Scott Pilgrim can do things where it's beat for beat, but it's beat for beat and it's a good thing. And some mm -hmm. other times it has to you know has to be a little bit different because you know shorter time frame we don't have six volumes of books to go through. But yeah. with other projects, they're like, oh, we're gonna do this beat for beat, and people hate it. And then there are other times where it's like, oh, we're gonna adapt this but change it up a little bit, and people, it's it's this weird amalgamation. It's this weird like secret sauce that is really hard to nail. But Edgar Wright did nail it. It's it's because it's Brian Lee O'Malley. It, like his mm -hmm. script is basically like like most of this movie is just the script from the comic, but mm -hmm. it's obviously kind of truncated because you know you're trying to tell like four volumes of a comic in in two hours. And it, and it's one of those things where like to the movies to the movies like what hurts the film is you can feel that bump uh, is that the pacing of the film itself changes. Yeah, when mm -hmm. you hit the we are out of the comic material yeah um yeah. it things slow down they they shift in how they're focusing on who um it it just like the movie's clipping along at such a clear brisk pace covering all the characters hitting all these beats like really playing on itself yeah through about two-thirds of the movie and then just a bit after you uh finish the confrontation with roxy yeah you kind of lose the thread uh, just a mm -hmm. little bit not to an extent yeah, yeah. where like the movie becomes garbage or something like that but you feel the change like the, yeah. the the style kind of loses a little bit of its he's not trying to replicate any of the visual language of brian lee o'malley anymore uh directly now he's trying to kind of manifest it in his own improvisational way which i'm he does a good job with yeah. he still finds ways to like use elements visually that are from the other books 
to tell parts of the third act. For example, a really great example is the elevator bit when Scott goes down. The elevator bit is actually a reference to a visual in the fourth volume when Scott and Wallace go to talk to their landlord. Mm, and he does, mm. and Brian Lee O'Malley did the same visual with the elevator. So he's he's using that there yeah, and yeah. he finds ways to bring O'Malley's visual language back. But it's it's very clear when you're watching it if you if you're familiar with the books yeah, where yeah. it's like the the break happens and Edgar Wright kind of has to guide it on his own. Now. For me, like because uh, like I like the ending a lot, you know, the ending fight and Gideon stuff. It really is just that that like there's like that 20 minutes before we get to the Gideon fight. It's the Katinagi twins and like that's when it feels like it just kind of becomes a regular movie yeah. instead of like the the quip smart fast editing because like. The, the only characters that don't get any real like attention are the, are the twins and like mm-hmm. you we don't need like an extra half hour we only need a couple minutes to establish who they are and what they like what they have with Ramona they don't they don't do any of that I think I think the more egregious thing is because like he he knew where Ramona needed to end up with Gideon in a broad sense and yeah. like how that story had to go but he didn't have the A to B to C yeah so Ramona's shift just kind of has to happen she just like gets um, mind control that's kind of like thrown off a little bit yeah and yeah. like it, it, it's it the way that shift comes about is really jarring it doesn't feel like it has the same character progression beats that a lot of other parts of the film do yeah um and it again this is no slight like the books weren't out uh it's just you feel it you feel that hiccup um you feel where the film loses the magic that it's had up to that point yeah and has to kind of scramble to reconfigure it um, while we're talking about the twin section, uh, do you like, cause I, I don't remember if this happens in a book cause I don't, I don't think I read it, but like the, the gorilla versus dragon doesn't fight? happen at all. Okay. Okay. That's an original thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it's cool. Like, I don't, I think it's a cool visual. I don't, it's like, I don't like love it, but I think it's cool. Uh, I, I don't know how you guys feel about it. Um, at knowing- I like a guitar, like a, like a, a battle of the bands idea, yeah. but like, it's okay. It's cool. Knowing knowing that it was them trying to compensate for not having the source material information. Yeah. I think it's a creative idea. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. like the direct one-to-one of Scott's power of will being translated into his music as like the green eyes and him, the green Green lantern monster. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like it's the first time you really get a sense of like, this is more than just scoping a good fire. This is like Scott's Scott's desire is manifesting itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that as an interpretation, I think is really cool. I had a sick ass, uh, like a uh, fan made t-shirt that was like promoting the concert of the battle of bands. And it's like got the art of the, the, the monster, like holding the dragons. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and that, and I still have that shirt somewhere and that's sick as hell. So I think like the, the visualization art of it is cool. Yeah. It's, it's the circumstances around it, like in a tech right. sense. And I'm like, this doesn't jive with me the same way. Like it, it just, it, again, it's just missing the guidance of Brian Lee O'Malley's writing. Like yeah. the, mm-hmm. Edgar Wright and Michael Bacall are, are doing a, a, did I say that right? Is it Michael or Martin? Um, they're doing a great job with what they have. Yeah. Um, Michael Bacall. Uh, to interpret and adapt, but like, we, it's, it's not saying like, oh, they're not creative or anything, but like Brian Lee O'Malley's, writing is what makes scott pilgrim great like yeah. it, it mm-hmm. just is like two-thirds of this movie is his words just reinterpreted adapted and strung together in a different way to tell the story absolutely but it's his it's his bits it's his stuff expanded on so you you feel when like you're trying to copy that style and copy those characters but you don't have his his material yeah and 
that's that's just really hard. Yeah. Uh, like I don't envy them. I think they do the best they can. Mm-hmm. And again, it doesn't feel like the movie like suddenly dips into like holy shit. It, w- it just like took a sharp downturn into bad. It's just like oh, we like we did drop to, down just a grade. Like you can feel that like small dip of like the writing is just not where it was. It's it's like the only yeah, time the to that point. Yeah, it's like the only time the movie doesn't feel like it's moving like like really fast, and not in a <laughs> negative way, but like it is like yo, we're turning through stuff. It's really fast. Like you're keeping up with this, and then we kind of like let's sit down for a moment. Like, but I didn't mm-hmm. want to sit down. And here's the thing. And like, it, it's, it's a bummer. And like, this ties into one of my other problems with the film. And like, I fully acknowledge it is a problem that comes from familiarization with the books that were not out. Uh, but because I am familiar with the books and because I've read them and like, whenever I revisit the film post reading them, this, this is where I hiccup on yeah. um, the Nega Scott stuff. Yeah. That would be the thing you slow down on. If you had to slow down, if they had the knowledge of what, Brian Lee O'Malley was doing with Scott and the Nega Scott, that is the time where you could slow down the pace of the movie because that is Scott confronting his own emotional interiority. And that is Scott having to come to terms with who he is and what he wants inside and like all the things he's been running away from up to that point in the, in the books, in the movie. Um, but because they didn't have that, they'd have to do this kind of like thing where like, we also have to address the Katyanagi twins because they are part of the evil exes. So we have to do this real quick. And it, it's it's a bummer. It, ju- it just it doesn't have uh, the source to know what to do with Scott confronting his emotionality. And yeah. So what you end up with uh, then again, uh, a qualm if you for me, if reading the books is the way Nega Scott is handled makes total sense if you've read volume four. The way Nega Scott shows up at the end makes total sense if you've read volume four because of the way that he's utilized at the very end of that book. Mm-hmm they pretty much had no other knowledge about what he was or what he meant. So their way of having fun with that and being like, cool, here it is. Uh, Nega Scott. That's cool and all. Um, it would have been, I, I lament it's nobody's fault. I just lament that we couldn't get, uh, Michael Sarah getting to do yeah. Scott confronting what is his, his emotional core. Uh, mm-hmm. that he's been denying and running away from yeah uh, as interpreted through the nega scott i do think it's a uh i think it's a it's a good joke like oh, he's a cool guy you know we're gonna get brunch but it does it does feel like there was oh, yeah. there's like a missed opportunity to be like yo like <clears throat> you can you can talk to yourself and all the all the negative things about yourself and you can like sort through it but like by the end of that like the movie's over so like it would feel yeah. almost like an epilogue that like um, i get what they did and i feel like real quick then i feel like it underlines what you and I talked about when we watched this movie the last time, which is that like Scott just kind of uh, after he dies fighting Gideon collapses and uh, gets like, uh, maybe you shouldn't have been fighting for me. And it's like, all right, Scott's Scott's all better. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. Um, He just doesn't, he doesn't feel like he goes on the journey he needed for the things he comes back to the fight with Gideon with to say like, Kim, I treated you badly and blah, 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 blah. And all the stuff he throws out there. It's, 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 you feel the whiplash of like, yeah, uh, movie the movie racing to catch up to its finale. That's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Because like, as you were saying, having prior knowledge is it also af- having prior knowledge reading the books after seeing the movie and knowing and getting those two volumes with the the whole story of Scott Pilgrim, but in book form, complete and ready to go. When I was watching it, I don't want to say I I think it's like there's a way to air quotes improve the movie because once again, I still really enjoy the movie. I think the movie is fun. It's great. But then I, I could not help but think about other pivotal scenes in volumes five and six, uh, like Lisa 
for example, the scene sure. with Lisa where Scott talks to her and there's this whole thing with her, with um, Lisa. I was like, and I was like, man, that could have been like a really good thing to, uh, excuse me, to put in or even more scenes with Ramona. Cause in books, I won't, I think issue five or issue five, volume five, we also see more of Ramona's faults. Because yes. for a good chunk of the book, it's just like her. And even though she does kind of touch upon it in the movie, like where she says, look, I was doing things. I was the bad bitch. I was I like the second um, Todd walked down the hall. I dumped Lucas and went with Todd and and all this other stuff. But in the of course, in the books, it's expanded on more. You see more of her own vulnerabilities and how Ramona isn't 100 percent the greatest. And. I. And it's just, it's really hard because I have to, it's not hard, but it's one of those things It's like, man, there could have been so much more, but I 100% get and understand that they didn't have that when they made the movie. Right. right. And even thinking about it more, I was like, maybe if we could stretch it, because the movie is just under two hours. I don't know if, if pushing this film to be a 230 film, if they had a volume seven, six would have made it better or, or not, but um that's sorry i'm spinning my wheels here no you're fine you're fine uh it's, real quick because i know you want to respond yeah, yeah. to that i don't think i don't think this movie needs to be two hours and 30 minutes you could have this be still about a two-hour movie and just like flesh out the cutting nugget twins a little bit more or just right. get a little more emotional resolution at the end of the movie yeah like, uh uh like i you know not everything needs I'll, to be an epic or anything. i'll say i'll say if the books were out i'm sure edgar wright would have gone for it yeah i think it mm-hmm. would have been about a two-hour film because he would have wanted to incorporate the stuff uh, and really feel like he fleshed out all the parts of the world. Um, you brought up Lisa, and I did want to comment that like this is something where I think they made a really good decision. Lisa is someone they knew about. She's in book mm-hmm. four. She's a prominent part of it. Uh, and they made, I think, the correct decision to cut her. Um, right. Because for the film purposes, Lisa doesn't need to be there. Um, mm-hmm. For the film purposes, yeah. she's an important character. Don't get me wrong. But for she the film purposes... Dropped. For, for the film purposes, she would clutter up what's going on in the dynamics of the character. Yeah. And uh, that would be someone who I would absolutely cut because especially because like you can uh, it, real quick and like revisit us on the Fake Nerd Book Club where we're talking about Scott Pilgrim to see how uh, I really shake out on this opinion. But um, in a broad sense, I would argue that the books, what are they about? They're about they are about cheating, but they're largely about the trauma inflicted in relationships when one person is more invested than the other mm-hmm. and that's really what it's about and that happens in multiple relationships and through multiple characters and it, it's about partway into the books you realize scott and P- ramona are parallels of each other yeah and what they've done to each other and the movie is not doing that story the the movie is about learning to not be shitty <laughs> um, and yeah. specifically through <laughs> scott's lens so this is where like R- the ramona stuff falls apart a little bit because Ramona doesn't have the agency of that mm-hmm. parallel, um, that they don't go into the fact that Ramona also uh, manipulated and and was shitty and cheated on people. Like it, it's mentioned, but it's mentioned in like passing things, yeah, yeah. not delved into. Right, uh, and that's and that's one of those things where like they're just focusing about different messages again. Edgar Wright not having all the material to be able to go into it because book four is where you really start to go into Ramona's past, but he didn't have all that information, so like. What are you going to yeah. do? And I do think, again, up until the end where she's just kind of like like brainwashed for like 25 minutes. Uh, I think they do a good job of showing that this is, I mean, Scott's defeating seven of her exes. 
she she said, yo, I got baggage, but I'm leaving that behind to become a better person. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the journey that Scott is currently on. So I think the movie does a good enough job the, doing that. The only part that bothers me is that while I love Scott and Knives teaming up on Gideon, mm -hmm. I don't like Ramona just standing on the sidelines watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when she does get involved, she gets tossed out of the fight very quickly. Yeah. I do like the bad Bad, 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 bad. bad. <laughs> on on him hitting Ramona like yeah. you hit a girl that's real bad um and and that kind of stuff that really works for me but um Gideon being not just Scott's uh main enemy but Ramona's yeah and like kind of a festering idea of a, a a person who inflicts toxicity into every relationship and every tangential relationship to the relationships that he touches yeah, yeah. uh it, Ramona not having a part in in undoing that bums me out a little bit yeah I hear um that. and that's even beyond the books that's just a film structure problem i feel like when you have ramona like the only time ramona gets actively involved against one of the exes is against roxy yeah is mm -hmm. like you could have you could have though had her like the one she should be involved in against is gideon that's, i agree because yeah. that is the yeah. person who has done her the most harm mm -hmm. um so that's that's my feeling even though again Really love the interpretation of having knives come in to uh, fight with Scott against Gideon. It's time to uh, chow down. That. I, I, God, yeah. Uh, she is so good. Yeah. Um, she's so I, incredibly cast as knives. Uh, Ellen Wong, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love her in this movie. It's yeah. She's fantastic. She's killer. I love her so much. Yeah. Um, uh, also, I don't know why. Probably because it's so fresh in my mind. And because we have we all finished um, Scott Pilgrim takes off the Netflix show. I haven't started it. No, okay. I haven't even started it. Never it's mind. The last I'm gonna thing just... I'm going to do in, in our journey. Yeah. You know what? I will keep that. I will put a button on that and bring it up when we get to that certain episode. Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. Oh, Julie. I want to talk about Julie early. Um, yeah. Aubrey Plaza's character. Brilliant. Um, you know, I, I love her. I mean, obviously I love Aubrey Plaza. She's an amazing actor, actor, but. I would never forget the mo when I was reading through the books, especially the second time because I was I bought the full color colored um, ones to have on my shelf. The whole time I'm reading Scott Pilgrim, I was just like, "Man, I hate Julie." But then I'm watching this movie. It's like, "Yo, Julie's right." Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing. Is like they, they they make you think like she's this heinous bitch, and the thing is that Julie is always just saying things as they are. Yeah, uh, like she's just like no you're being a sh like she has just no patience uh mm -hmm. and she recognizes and no filter scott, she she recognizes who scott is and she recognizes what he does uh and like she's also a little bit of a fake person you get like the clash of demon head where she's like she just wants to uh get on her friends like good shit back yeah mm -hmm. um but like it, yeah i i really like aubrey plaza and i and i love that like the movie continues that interpretation where like scott's like god she's just like a bitch for no reason and it's like no it's there's a good reason like you're a like, huge piece of shit yeah. scott and she calls like, you on it because the only one willing to not placate you yeah the second when he like when, my, when i was watching the movie last night and he's on the you know he's in the phone uh the phone booth he's calling his sister and she's like i'm about to leave he's like he just turns around and walks in funny bit i love that it's like he doesn't just walk in and talk to his sister he calls her first and then goes inside the the, the, the coffee shop and julie turns around and goes what the boop i also like what they do with her mouth and yeah. he's scott's like how are you doing that with your mouth 
<laughs> and but then his the sister whole... is outside, like doing the same uh, opponent. Tell, sorry, I gotta go. Like yeah. just clever writing, clever editing. Like it's just mm-hmm. good shit. The, but the, the meta, the meta usage, which is obviously in the books that that Edgar Wright and them translate over to film versions, like you said, with the censoring things like that. Um, it's all done really, really well. Yeah, yeah. My favorite um, Julie line, real quick, but sorry. And then he continued, like, um, she's like, "Are you gonna be busy later? Babysitting." Or even the first time when Julie shows up, I was like, but she works at the coffee shop. But then later I was like, is there anywhere you don't work? It's like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, but the reason why I wanted to bring it up is that when Scott Ramona are like officially, officially dating and she is just naming off everyone that Scott has like been in associated with, like all the girls that he's wronged. And he gives like the, oh, was Mr. You know, he gives like the stupid excuse of like, oh, I've gone through this thing. But that was a it's not my fault. That was a mistake. Blah blah blah. Yeah, and then especially when she mentions Kim, I'm like, the whole time, the whole time watching, it's like, yeah, Julie got a point. She has a very valid point. And yes. Scott, son, though I know, like the point of the books and the point of the movie is Scott, like Scott Pilgrim, the character, not the franchise. The franchise is great. Yeah, Scott sucks. Yeah. So. uh to to uh talk up about like a lot of the positives that are in this movie and there are a ton um one of the things is uh and this does obviously come from brian lee o'malley this this visual interpretation of language but edgar wright does take it a step further with specifically julie this is why i'm focusing on this ben um is when scott's headed in a direction that's negative for himself where he's about to think about something he doesn't want to the background will turn black Mm-hmm. Like that, that almost always happens that, that he starts like the, the background turn black and, and that might be him going into a dream sequence where he feels alone or that kind of thing, but it'll transition in black. Um, Edgar Wright takes that a step further because Julie is a person who is constantly like pulling Scott towards having to face his own reality, mm-hmm. which Scott doesn't want to do. So there's this, the part where uh, she's first talking to Scott at the party. When I he's forbid you. About Ramona. And she shuts him down and the world for a moment goes to that black space before he pulls himself out of it. And like, I think Edgar Wright does a really good job of interpreting what Brian Lee O'Malley was doing with comics visually and, and expanding on it and doing things like that because Julie is essentially a verbal manifestation of the things Scott's trying to avoid because Julie sees him fully. She sees who he is. And she also sees like, they make this whole thing, especially in the books, like it's less focused on the movie because obviously, um, but, but that Julie is this person who uh, nobody really thinks she's a good friend kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I would, I think there's a valid argument to be made that Julie is the best friend because she cares about these people and watches them all bend over backwards, even when they pretend that they're not like Kim for Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Um, and for other people who are acting shitty when they are, but like specifically around Scott. And she's like, this is ridiculous. Uh, I care about you people and you all just act so stupid around this person. Yeah. That's a good point. Yep. Yeah. Aubrey Plaza is perfectly cast. She kills it. Kills oh, yeah. it. So does oh, Anna yeah. Kendrick. Uh, Stacey Pilgrim's not given a lot of the juice of what she's got in the books. Again, that is a five and six thing, like the a, a core, core, uh, development thing about them happens in those books uh, as you uncover more about Scott's past. And that's not part of her story. Nonetheless, Stacy is this person who like can talk to Scott in a way other characters just can't. And having Anna Kendrick and Michael Sarah have that connection for the brief moments that it's there in the movie are really, really good. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
like even when uh she meets Ramona at the rocket, <laughs> and just like when she leans over and like goes and like she's like taps her shoulder, and she's like, So, how do you know Scott? And it's like you are just playing the little sister who just wants all the dirt, and it's it's like, man, Anna Kendrick's awesome. I love Anna Kendrick. Uh, she loves drama. Going going to the rest of the cast, it's really hard for me to believe that Mark Webber was a real person before this movie and not just like the manifestation of Stephen Stills, Stephen Stills yeah. walking out of the comic into, into real life because yeah. he's Stephen Stills so good yeah. <laughs> that uh, he, I I can't I can't believe he's his own person. <laughs> and it's, it's a bummer because like, Obviously, he's done other work, but like this is probably the thing he is most known for. And I'm like, yo, you just encapsulated characters so well. Like you, you are, you will forever be Steven Stills, and that's not a, that's not a bad thing. I would also argue the I can't remember her name, but the actor who plays Kim, Allison just Pill. Pers- thank you, yeah, Allison Pill just encapsulates Kim Pines. Like I can only imagine when Allison got the script, she read the books, and to get the uh, you know, to do research, and she was like, oh yeah, I got this. She understood the assignment. He got a the, great like death stare. I, res- I respect so much that like while they knew they were never going to delve into the story between Scott and Kim, the way the books will eventually, um, that they they baked in a lot of the subtext of what that relationship is. Uh, and that is credit to Alison Pill's performance. It's also credit to like Edgar Wright and uh, Michael Bacall s- steering the film in the direction of being like you get enough of it. Kim and Scott is is. You are you are given the the information to know that like while they'll name a whole lot of names of women that Scott has screwed over and knives is right there. Yep. The most important relationship that Scott had before Envy was Kim, and like the information is quite clearly there about what that mark left on both of them. Yeah. Uh, and like again, it's saying something about Kim that Kim will absolutely hate Scott. But she's here, and she won't leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she won't leave after she she watches him do this to other people because she yeah. has that same like knives thing about he's a piece of shit, and also I can't stop loving him. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. God, knives is so good in this movie. Yeah, you know who Hell also yeah. uh, kills in this movie? Uh, Chris Evans, Captain America. Hell yeah, God, uh, I <laughs> I like <laughs> like I want him to play characters like this all the time. Like yeah. like just so. He did uh, not another teen movie. Yeah. Like that's one of his first big movies, and he <laughs> plays like the the perfect like jock asshole guy. But he's so charismatic, and then he does this this role, and I'm like, can you please be an asshole more often? That's why when he and Johnny Storm, Johnny Storm, yeah. And then when he came back for uh, uh, Knives Out, I'm like, there he is. There's, there's that, that guy. There's that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love him being a jerk. He's so so good at it. I guess I'm just so used to Chris Evans being Captain America that yeah. watching him as Lucas Lee. Is like, man, this is just, or even when he was the asshole in Knives Out, I was like, man, because I'm just so now baked in that when I see Chris Evans in anything, I'm just like, you're like a nice person. I I want to have, I want to have, I want to have a beer and just talk with this guy. And then I watch Scott Pilgrim and I'm like, no, nah, this guy sucks. <laughs> Not Chris Evans. I don't <laughs> know Chris Evans personally, honestly, but, <laughs> but it was like, man, just like the way he exudes like this, this douchebag skater turned actor energy. It's like the whole time is like, Ooh, looks like you've seen, or like, I just love the scene where he's like, wait, you method didn't tell you about the league. No. Oh, well, don't worry about it, man. He's like, Oh really? No. Boosh, just punches. 
like I feel like <laughs> literally any line in this movie, uh, which is again from the books, like could be your favorite line. But like my favorite line is from his his stupid fake movie. Uh, to, the next real good, the next two clips you're gonna hear is me hanging up the phone and then me pulling the trigger. To to the credit <laughs> of of uh, Chris Evans and and his Lucas Lee, he's probably outside of Gideon because they again they didn't have that. Yeah. Uh, he's probably the one they they provide the most new dialogue for because they really take yeah. him in a different direction. That's true. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. To fit with Chris Evans. So I like, like him more lot, in the movie than the book. To be honest, a lot of his yeah. lines here are are totally different from okay. from yeah. the ones in the book. The lines that will happen around him of like Scott Ramona and Wallace and all that. Yeah, those yeah. are usually from the book. But he himself, almost all of his bits are bits created for Chris Evans as Lucas Lee, which That's is so good. which is just a different interpretation. Yeah, he's a ton of fun. Um mm -hmm. he's goofy as hell. It also has my like probably my favorite fight with all his stunt dudes. Oh, and yeah. they all have oh, yeah. they all have his voice. What can I say? I'm nothing without my yeah. stunt team. Yeah, you literally like they literally had him dub over for the stunt team. So when he asked them for coffee, they're all like, yeah, "No, yeah, thanks, yeah. I'm good." No, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, incredible! Again, like all the fights in this movie are dope and are like really like anime video game looking. But like this one specifically, uh, just really well choreographed. A bunch of dudes who look like Chris Evans, just like and props to Michael Sarah for doing some of the stunts. Uh, yeah, yeah. He obviously doesn't get thrown into a castle or anything, but like right. that dude's like throwing some punches and throwing some skateboard hits, and I'm like, hey, I'm like, this is some good yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's getting beat around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I think Lucas Lee's Chris Evans's Lucas Lee is is a really bright spot in the film. He's just he's so a ton of fun to watch. Oh, and yeah. I do think like part of what's a bummer about every evil ex after Todd on the way up to Gideon. And mm -hmm. even Roxy suffers from this to an extent it, because Roxy's story is really, really changed up from what's going on in the comics um, to make it kind of more comical yeah. than it is in the books. Um, uh, like even, even as they are talking about like Ramona kind of treating her like a throwaway, yeah. they're doing it in a way where it's more fun. They don't want to think on it for too long, yeah. which is just not who she is in the books. Um, and then, of course, the Katyanagi twins and all that. Uh, the evil exes kind of go down yeah. oh, in yeah. like the excitement and, and entertainment of enjoying them after Todd. Um, and that part that does suffer just a little bit in the in the structure of the film. Yeah, because again, like yeah. I like like we said before, like I like all the stuff, like all the negatives we've made. Like I still like that stuff. It just isn't to the the caliber the rest of the movie is, mm -hmm. uh, and like giving it as much as much like respect, not respect, but it's like. They're just they're trying to do their own thing when they don't have the material, and it's just unfortunately it's just like it's not up to snuff. Uh, which, uh, which you know it's fine. Uh, in, in uh, the thing is that that I will swing back that the, the other way on this, and also say that um, even in the books, I think L L Todd Ingram and uh, Matthew Patel are two of the best evil exes, and and Lucas Lee to an extent, but really, like you said, I like the Chris Evans version here yeah. more. Todd, Todd, Todd rules Todd, in all Todd, forms. Todd, Todd rules in all forms, and like, <laughs> um, every evil ex, even the Katyanagi twins in the books, like, they, they are not as cool by comparison, especially as, like, part of it is, like, when you're starting the film and the books, you are learning more and getting more engaged about the evil exes themselves, when we get to later with the evil exes, it's more about them bringing out things about Scott and Ramona. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens in the books that happens in the film. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, I don't think that's a bad thing, but it does mean like the personalities of the, the first ones are more striking, uh, yeah, yeah. than the later ones. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm hmm.
Um, um, Todd, always... Brandon Routh, Todd, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> I love Todd. I love Absolutely. Todd so much. No, no, vegan, no vegan powers. Basically, being vegan oh. just makes you better than other people. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> uh, the second Scott tricks him into drinking half and half, and then the vegan cops show up. Yeah, I, I milk and eggs, bitch. God. <laughs> Thomas Jane the high five. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> just so funny. Or even when they they're like, it's got milk and eggs, bitch. Um, God, it's so good. And it's I like it. it's like they have the there's their fingers as their their guns, and then it's like de-veganizing Ray. Pew. Uh the thing that <laughs> tells me for sure Edgar Wright was the exact person for this adaptation is um there's this section in the Todd stuff that is one for one from the book, but the, but both Brandon Routh and Michael Sarah elevate the material to make it even funnier. Um, but it, the lines are the same, which is the whole cleaning lady bit. Oh um, yes. <laughs> Cause you'll be dust on Monday. What? And the cleaning lady, she cleans dust and she has the weekend off, right? So she, so, it's Friday. <laughs> so Monday. <laughs> yeah. Basically saying he's gonna kill you. Yeah, right. <laughs> so they're both so good yeah. at delivering these jokes that O'Malley wrote. It's it's crazy. I don't I don't know if the the you punch the highlights out of a hair is in the book because I don't remember, but that is, is that uh, is like a singular moment in his in cinema. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Young Neil's like screw you punch the highlights out, out of her hair. God, it's so funny, dude. That whole that whole scene is is extravagant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, actually, it's it's also pretty well edited when, and when Knives gets the highlights punched out of her hair, it's or even when she tries to talk and then everyone just like goes glare. Yeah, yeah, it's so good, man. Yeah, Poor also knives. like the music. We haven't talked about the music in this movie, but All turning right. the shitty Scott Pilgrim band, like they might sound, they might say they're shitty. Yo, in the movie, they rule. Six they six babam rule. Thanks, thanks, Beck. Also, yeah. just in general, yes. Uh, the soundtrack of this movie is great. I mean, both score and all the music that they play, whether that's um, tracks that were um, everything that is a. Uh, a played track is music that O'Malley said he was either listening to or directly inspired. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Scott Pilgrim, with the exception, I think, of one that Edgar Wright just really wanted in the movie, which I believe is... Um, uh, I'd have to look at the names, so I'm not going to try and think of yeah. it. But I, I, but I know that like a chunk of them are just like O'Malley said, like, this is what I was listening to or this is what I was thinking of or da-da-da-da-da. And Edgar Wright's like, brilliant. I love music. I mean, he wears an SP shirt. It's Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. My dumb um, Scott, song, Scott Pilgrim's named after uh, a plum tree song. Yeah. And I think there's a different plum tree song in here that he said was one of the, his favorites to listen to while he was making yeah. the book comics. Yeah. Um, the one thing I was going to mention is, especially with the, the Clash of Demon Head scene or the Todd Ingram scene, is the song that um, Brie Larson sings. It's Black, Black oh, my God. God. Yeah, that's it, uh, uh, the band Metro has a, ha, like does that song originally. I do when this when this came out the next five years I listened to that song on repeat like it is dude, such a killer song dude I do seriously even when I went to bed last night I was just like hello again friend even today when I woke up and I'm just like mm -hmm. sitting here talking about it with you guys it won't leave my brain and I'm like the, the the cutting Edgar Wright does of like slitting the screen on the down 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 and the faces and like the whole opening of that sequence I remember like not just me. 
like the whole audience just vibrating oh, yeah, over that sequence when it happened. They were like, holy shit, this is on a whole other level. Um, it's like a, just a mini music video in the in this movie. Well, just several music like vid- music videos that happen in this which movie. Which is which is again like one of those things where I'm like, you know, I I I I wish that Edgar Wright had gotten to play with the visual language of things O'Malley did later because like Gideon's cool and all, but and Jason Schwartzman's doing a good job with him. But like I I never got more built up for a confrontation with an evil ex than when Todd and the Clash of Demon Head take the stage. And it was now. like, oh God, it's all about to go down. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can't get more, it's hard to get more hype than uh uh, Scott's ex and Ramona's ex at the same time coming to confront them. And they're killing it on stage. Yeah, Brie oh. Larson's... And she's got a great, like, an actual so good. good voice yes. to sing, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, there was a great edit in the coffee shop where I think it's Scott is talking to Ramona... No, Scott is talking to Ramona. Like, he finds her at the coffee shop after they're... And then, yeah, you see that the poster of Clash Demon Head, and then he goes, "Oh shit!" And then it's the real Brie Larson yeah. in the exact same spot. Yes. Like yes. she so was a, funny man. Like she was a chameleon the whole. Like it's like I was here the whole time, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> jealous? What? Am I not allowed to be? Yeah, God, Brie, she's so everybody's so good in this movie. I love it. Yes, I I love her as Envy. I think it's really great. Uh, to uh, let's talk about another Envy uh, scene, uh, which is like ripped from the books. It's like the phone call. Yeah, where it's yeah. cutting and it's showing like the the photographs of them all. Like that is such a well made scene. And like you don't even know Envy, but you get such a such a, like a grasp of who she is and how you feel the weight. You feel the weight, and you just see her lips, and she's so dramatic. Oh my god, it's which so is cool. also credit to how Wallace reacts, which brings us to okay. Kieran Culkin, because there are people in the cast who are, are perfectly cast, and there are people who are cast who are even better than their comic counterparts, mm-hmm. and that is Kieran Culkin. Wallace, Wallace is so Wallace. good. Wallace Wells is so... <laughs> guess who's drunk? I guess <laughs> Wallace. You guess right. <laughs> If you haven't seen uh, the behind the scenes making of that, he does it like seven times. And like he keeps hitting Michael Sarah in the head by accident. I'm like, oh man, it's good. I, I want I will I have saluted Karen Culkin because he is like yeah, he's amazing as Wallace Wells. The whole movie. I'm reading the books and I hear his voice. And I don't even hear the other actor's voice. Maybe not even uh Brie Larson's envy or Michael Sarah as Scott. Um, I do hear Ellen Wong as um knives, but mm-hmm. that's she once again, everyone does great in this movie or in from the books to the movie, but Kieran Culkin as well as Wells, just everything about him, like this guy is awesome. Like yeah. this dude, like even his ultimate when he finally t- he's like, You must break up with knives, that sweet, sweet angel. Yeah. I, or, I love I love him. He's so yeah. good as Wallace. It's crazy. He is. <sighs> Uh, I think we should give some flowers to Ramona. Ramona. Uh, uh, who is quite good as Ramona. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Plays the aloof, mysterious shit really well. Definitely sparked a generation of dudes who like girls with like colored hair and more goggles, pixie cuts. And like, like I was definitely part of that crowd. I, I'm like, I'll admit it. Like, yeah, I, I, sure. I got a style. I like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's so fun. Uh, uh, her fight with Roxy is really fun too. But like, I, I just love all, I love how kind of like, She's really reserved, but with, with Scott, uh, but she's like, I'm not like, like, I'll go on a date with you. Sure. Why not? Whatever. She, she as Ramona very much captures the energy of, of something I think you're supposed to feel from Ramona, uh, especially early on, which is, uh, oh, 
she'll hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that girl's going to hurt yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. whatever amount of whatever this is going to be, I'm going to leave damaged. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Scott, well, he can use some of that probably. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Love it. And the best part is she'll hurt you emotionally and physically. It's not exclusive to one or the other. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I think I think she again, like despite uh, having her character's agency taken away later in the film, um, her performance as Ramona is really strong. Um, yeah, I think she plays with Michael Sarah very well. I think she captures her nonchalantness. Yes, that's really the well. There you go. Yeah, yeah. like uh, seemingly uncaring, but like she does care. Yeah, like especially when her hair when she changes her hair color and Scott mentions it and he's. And she's like, yeah, I change my hair like every week. You gotta get used to it if we're gonna be together. It's like, all right, just. And then that kind of freaks, yeah, yeah, that freaks Scott out. Um, just the whole time she like the whole time she's on screen, she is amazing. Um, uh, dang it, I don't know if it's because I just woke up, but I had a thought yeah, and I lost okay. it. Darn it, darn uh, it. Come back. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I think she's really really got a lot going on she captures the look of ramona she captures um the persona of ramona i would argue like in the film it's an even better uh representation of like how scott sees ramona than maybe ramona herself oh sure um like that's a lot of what the like i think the movie very much is like whereas the book i think has a more exterior perspective not that you're not following scott but that like it's kind of giving you a lot of perspectives mm -hmm. on characters mm -hmm. The film is a little bit more skewed towards Scott's perspective of the world. Yeah, and yeah. that includes Ramona and how he interprets her and and who she is and all this kind of stuff. Um, that being said, like Mary Elizabeth Winston still playing that very, very well. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I really like the sequence of um, when they face down Roxy and she's uh, helping Scott to fight, which is really funny because that's actually a different point. Uh, uh, do you do you? Uh, so I remember what this is now. So between volume three and four, there's like a comic fest free comic book day release mm -hmm. where Scott has to fight a bunch of uh, uh, young celebrity girls that come out of posters. Mm. And um, that is the bit that free comic book day little thing is the bit where Ramona it gets behind Scott and teaches him oh, to fight. Okay. And uh, it, 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 there's a whole thing, like we'll talk about it in the books, like what this was relevant to, but I think it's really funny that like uh, that isn't even in the core volumes. It's in this little side story where Ramona does that bit where she gets behind Scott and throws his fists and legs around. They interpreted that into the scene with Roxy. I can't punch a girl. They're soft. <laughs> also the leg uh, touch oh. belongs to Envy, not to Roxy. Oh, mm. well, there you go. You learned something there. But still, I think they they find a way to like utilize that to keep like the story and the momentum of what the movie is doing kind of going forward in a way that works. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I really, I really like her. I like uh, our our Roxy as well. Yeah. Um, for her brief appearances. Uh, <laughs> next time, I'll be deadly serious. Next time. What? What? Never mind. Smoke bomb. I'd love to catch that rain check, sugar, or whatever. God, yeah, like, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I love. Oh, uh, Matthew Patel's the first sex. He's he's not in the movie a lot, but like, uh, having seen the movie, you know, without any other context, and like, it turns into like like a Bollywood number for a hot second, 
And I'm like, I didn't really, like, I know the trailers had, like, video game stuff, but I wasn't sure what this movie was. And that really puts you in the gear of what type of movie this is. And then he has, like, cool goth chicks pop up magic yeah. and shooting fireballs. And I'm like, this is wild shit. Crash is, what am I watching? It's so no, cool. No, that Crash of the Boys just die. Yes. So <laughs> sad. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, they're, when uh, Scott's fighting Matthew, the... Yeah, they get blown up and you like you see the skulls. I was like, oh shit, they died. Yeah, that yeah. sucks. Crash. And that's how Sex Pub Bomb wins. It's so funny. Uh yeah, Matthew Patel's just a like it's one-to-one from the comic. And the reason it's one-to-one is because Brian Lee O'Malley nailed uh the introduction of like the concept of the evil exes. Matthew Patel is the first one, all that kind of stuff. Um, there was there was no need to change what was already perfected. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. and I think they do it really well. Um Satya Baba, who plays uh Matthew Patel does a really good job. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he's a great uh, adaptation of the the brief appearance of that evil X and mm-hmm. does everything he needs to. And, and it all lands. This is a good time to also mention, like, I really appreciate the film using Brian Lee O'Malley's illustrations for things oh, like yeah. the flashbacks that Ramon. Oh, uh, yes. Or like when Scott's, uh, uh, when the narrator the haircut when the narrator which is bill Hader, mm-hmm. is talking about scott's haircut and showing like brian Lee o'malley's artistic interpretations that's also really cool i love that kind of stuff um <clears throat> the video game graphics effects that they do like when uh matthew patel comes in and they blocks him and does the ko the, the text artifacts all yeah. that kind of stuff very well realized sound effects there's a bunch of sonic the hedgehog sound effects in this there's mm-hmm. mario there's all kinds of things i caught them all mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's a perfect blend of just so many different like mediums put together and it's lovely yeah it really is uh, uh, there's there's like a there's a love for music a love for video games a love for film a love for anime yeah. it's all and comics is all just like here it's all it's all just poured into this one movie which makes it such a fantastically unique experience yeah mm-hmm. and There's, it's it's oh god man no, no 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 i was just gonna extrapolate on the point about how especially with the video game sounds of the video game aesthetic it's very much in great like if you if you hear it or you're, if you're not listening to it it's not like a ray player one or even a mario movie where you're constantly trying to find is like where are the easter eggs where's the little references of like hey i know that thing it's so organic that if you hear like the spin dash or the jump sound or just like a little um bling like when scott got his life or it's like where have i heard it's more of a where have i heard that before and not of a ooh, 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 there's the thing there's the thing i i love that you brought that up then because i do think like this is the antithesis to ready player one um in the sense of like whether it's the book we're talking the book or the movie um ready player one is all about like filling it up with with things that'll make you go i i know that thing i remember that thing that kind of thing and this is so much born out of i'm i was inspired by these things and i pay tribute uh Mm -hmm. and like that is that is all it is 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 like these are the things that i i made me want to make this or yada 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 uh and so here it is. I, I put this in here. I put that in here uh, as a tribute. And if you catch it, like, great. But it's not meant to make you go, ah, don't forget, this is Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Um, or, or, even like when, or even when he's playing the ninja game with knives and he's talking about Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Yeah. Uh, about how he was originally called Puck-Man, which is true. Uh, and they had to change it because they, yeah, because the whole vandalism thing that is 100% true. But even when he goes to talk to Ramona and she, and she's like, the Pac Man guy is like, I'm going to leave you forever now. Bye. It's, yeah. it's one of those, th- it's one of those things where you just go, man, that's that. It was a nice touch. 
it wasn't like a oh this is like this is like actual it wasn't it wasn't shoving it in your face like yeah. Ray Player One does, or the yeah. or by extent the Mario movie does. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of other things do this. Ready Player One is by no means the only culprit, but it is a uh-huh. very obvious cultural touchstone, overt one to say like this was basically let's vomit specifically the movie, but but both. Um, let's vomit uh, things that people know space at the jam. screen so that we can be like look at thing yeah space jam's a great example no, yeah, yeah. Um, the new one yeah please yeah yeah please please look at our thing uh, because it has a, a visual representation of a thing you know yeah and like yeah. scott pilgrim's not relying on that at all it is purely out of like artistic appreciation and b- yeah. like ben earlier in this very podcast like when you were trying to think of something you did like the da, 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 in your own head that's not you like doing like oh look at the callback it's like that's a part of you and you just like video game music yeah. it's like it just feels net it, like everything that's a yeah. reference in this movie feels natural it's not a like you said point at the le- point of the screen leo meme thing mm-hmm. um one of the other things now i know we talked about this when we talk um when we when we did volumes one and two of the book but one of the th- um, we were talking about going on to video game music and video game references and things that are subtle. They're not like point, point, look. Like when I was first reading the book and Scott's first band was named Sonic and Knuckles, I love that. Or oh, even yeah. uh, later on in the book, it's like, hey, it's Kid Chameleon. As someone who knows Sega games, it's like, hey, yes, I do recognize those games, but you don't have to know them. They're not an integral part. It's a very fun thing that, like, Ryan, you just said, I was quote, I was doing the Final Fantasy music earlier. I just really, really like that thing. Yeah. And Brian Lee O'Malley does the same thing. He's like, yeah, I'm going to have Scott's band in the very, his very first band in the book be called Sonic and Knuckles, but it's not going to be like this whole thing. Or even in the, um, just to spoil a scene of the first episode, when Scott talks to Ramona for the first time, he talks about how, um, Jaleel White voiced Sonic in two different, uh, cartoons. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that is a really cool thing that they did and then but they don't they just leave it at that yeah it's not and it's it's very organic and i that's i think that's one of the things that also i i also like endear this movie for even more is that the video game references and the video game stuff both in the movie and in the books are very organic they're it's like they pay tribute in not in not a notice me senpai, but in a this is something that was very integral to my life, and that's what I'm gonna go with. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rains rains coins when people die. Love it. <laughs> I just I just love how I give you the 15 cent relax. No, not only that, but the score goes up, which is always uh, is always fun. But also that like, every time he beats someone up, it just rains coins. And one of my favorite scenes is after he gets um he uses his extra life and goes back in time essentially. He goes, Your hair looks stupid. And he goes, Ooh, and he just turns into the coin. It's like I cast vicious mockery. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah, that final fight with Gideon is so well choreographed. And like when he's just like slashing dudes and they're like in the air turning in the coins, like again, watching the behind the scenes of making this movie is so fun because like Man, this movie must have been so hard to make in some circumstances because, like, there's oh, so yeah. many cool visual effects happening, uh, like, just out of nowhere. And again, the editing is so tight and crazy. Uh, like, the scene where he uh, has the dream where he opens a door and he's like in the school, they had like shifting sets to move around and stuff. So he can just naturally, like, that stuff happens. I'm like, man, there's so much thought and love that went into this. Like, it was, this is like, like the unlaziest <clears throat> movie ever made. You know, you could yeah. do so, so much they, these days. It's just like green screen it. 
to screen screen it. And like, there's like very little green screen happening in this movie. There's so much stuff that's uh, intermixing uh, special effects and practical effects. And it's just like, I love it. Oh yeah. And even like, I know there was like a blurb about this in the, um, the color version of, of the book I have. They were talking about how when Brian Lumao is like when he drew the real life places in Toronto, like the house, the library and a whole bunch of other things. Then the castle, especially then you watch the movie. It's like, no, they shot on location in Toronto, Canada. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, there's the house. There's a castle. There is a library. And it's like, God damn. Yeah. It's cool. Go Toronto. I don't say this often, but go Toronto. Scott, Scott, visually Scott Pilgrim versus the world as a film is one of the best, if not the best, uh, like comic adaptation interpretations, like bringing it to life. Yeah. Visually, what you read in the book is what you see in the in the movie, you know, Mm -hmm. again, like without counting the things that they couldn't account for. Um, Just like you're saying where they go, the locations, the, the looks, the costuming, the designs, they're all correct they're all spot on to exactly what the books were doing yeah uh and that's wild yeah and uh uh to to somewhat start wrapping it up um i we wouldn't be having this conversation unless that new tv show came out and i i I honestly i figured we would get another scott pilgrim thing thing soon i didn't think it would be this soon to be honest like and i know like 13 years jesus christ is like is a long time but like nobody saw this movie like really, like really, this movie flopped, and this movie mm-hmm. was not cheap. I mean, it was like it's not an Avengers level movie, but this movie like was expensive for Edgar Wright, right? So like, the fact that like we we're getting an anime adaptation that's not just a direct adaptation; it is a also new thing, is really cool, and it's bringing so many people to this franchise, whether it's the movie mm-hmm. or the books. It's like, yeah, man, Scott Pilgrim rules. Yeah, it's such a cool book, and it's not just about you know, it's just it's not just a comic. It's about like, yo. People can be better. Like we can be better people, and you have to like go with Scott on this journey from asshole to basically hero. And like that's really cool to have like this perspective as like you know a big franchise. Yeah. I also. Oh. I don't know if I'll if we'll ever see a better edited film in our lifetime. Yeah, like, for as, real. In terms of like pacing and like what it's doing, like to its purpose. I just don't know if it'll ever happen. Like the 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 thing is, like you needed not just Edgar Wright as the director, you needed your your entire crew of cinematographers, your editors, to be on the same wavelength, the same line of what they were chasing to do with this movie to yeah. have gotten it like this. It's such a vibe. It's such a Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is special because Scott Pilgrim vs. the World stands apart from everything else there's no movie like it in the world yeah there isn't there there's nothing that captures the same energy you know what captures the same uh uh humor and like performance of its cast music mixing of its graphics mixing of its visual language both in a uh what the camera is doing how it is placed how the transitions are designed nothing does it like that the only movie that I've ever seen that actually comes close, but it's not it's not as good as a movie. I, I know what you're gonna say. Angley's Hulk. Hulk. Yes. Angley's Hulk. Hell yeah. It's also a movie that I think it's it's not the greatest movie, but it deserves a lot more flowers than than it gets. For visual th- stuff, yes. That 100%. movie also took over a year in editing because that movie is a comic book brought to life. There's paneling happening all the time, they're switching things. There's like there are comic book pages that appear randomly in the movie. Like that's a movie that tried to be different, but it's also like it's a Hulk that doesn't really fight a lot. So like people didn't like that movie, but I think that movie is considerably cooler and better than people give it credit for. Yeah. Uh, but Scott Pilgrim is, is definitely better than, but like, that's yeah. Like you know, no, it's so hard to, to, movies like this are so hard to make. 
Aliens Hulk is definitely a movie that I need to get a rewatch because I only saw the movie once on Stars. I was bored out of my mind, but I was also watching it with the with the general zeitgeist of the movie being it's a bad movie. And I'm like, oh, it couldn't be that bad. And then I'm like, oh, no, it really is that bad. You were all right. Now it's I like you meet the movie on its level. I think yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Also, now that I know, I think I, with movies like Scott Pilgrim and movies like Hulk and with a bunch of other things, I feel like watching them again as you're older is worth it because you get to see more like the thing with Julie I mentioned earlier. When I read the books and when I first saw the movie, I thought, man, Julius is, is she is a total mega bitch. She sucks. I don't like her and she's causing all these problems. And now that I'm an adult, not only rereading the, or now that I'm older, I've grown, I've, you know, experienced more of life, rereading these books and rereading and rewatching this movie, I was like, no. I mean, yes, there are parts in the books where Julie does suck and she is kind of, and she isn't the, a good person. But it doesn't mean she's not a good friend and where she'll call you <laughs> on your bullshit. And even that scene where she's straight up calling out Scott on all the girls he screwed over. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm on Julie's side here. Scott does suck. He is a horrible person. But that doesn't mean he can't grow. That's the whole thing where the movie and of the books is that you can grow to be a better person. Yeah. Uh, in mm-hmm. terms of what we were just mentioning, like, uh, uh, it, it, I do feel like part of that hitch we were talking about earlier, it does happen because, like, the amount of work visually that you have to do before you start filming something to know the layout of how you're going to, like, these multiple panel sequences we talk about. For example, the bit where Scott goes on the bus after breaking up with Knives and you have all the separate pieces moving of Knives and him on the bus and feeling bad and then Ramona comes up and he feels good. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. You have to see all that, have it structured out before you go film so you know exactly what you're trying to do to get it to the edit to make it look right. And that's a lot easier when you have the guiding template of Brian the O'Malley's comics. But like once you get to that point, I respect what they tried to do nonetheless. Like there's a whole sequence where this is this is me purely praising like the film structure because they didn't have anything to base this off of. But when they do all the shots, we talked about this when we were watching it of Jason Schwartzman as Gideon getting kicked or punched in the face and just layering them over each other and all these like bam, pow, 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 like all the hits. Uh, like it, it keeps that kind of like the flair of it. Like there yeah. is there are attempts to like try and capture it and like kudos to them for like all the work it takes so much work to have to do that and without the guiding hand of O'Malley's work mm-hmm. like they have to structure all that in advance and hope that they're getting what they want correctly yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's such a challenge there's another uh, franchise that had this similar problem where uh, they had enough of material then at the end they didn't have the material anymore it's called Game of Thrones yeah I was going to mention no it Game but... of Thrones y'all uh, they had like one of the best book series ever, and then a real, and then they realized like, oh, we're not actually good at this at all. <laughs> we need George, and luckily yeah. Edgar Wright is a better filmmaker and writer, so like he's able to uh, get through it to the end. Um, this is oh. a I feel. Go ahead. Ben. No, I was just gonna say one of my one of the a line I thought of that was just like really funny. I'm pretty sure it's not in the books, so at least I don't remember it being in the books. Was do you know how long it took to get all the excess information? Like two hours. Yeah, it's a good one. You're right. That's a good one. I did want to talk about like Jason Schwartzman's Gideon is is pretty much in a, a movie invention. Like he, there's there's very little between them uh, in character personality that is the same as the comic one that we'll talk about when we get there. Um, but he he still works as uh, I think he works 
this is again like the movies thing. I think he works better here as the foil to Scott than he does to Ramona, but he works really well as the foil to Scott. Yeah. Um, like he feels like the bad, the bad reflection of Scott. Just the nigga Scott's purpose, but like he, he he feels like that. He feels like this, like boy, if Scott runs wild out of control, this is what he's going to become. Kind of idea, and like there is an amount of that in the books. I don't mean to discredit that, but there's yeah, yeah. there's other personal stuff going on there. Um, and uh, I I think that Jason Schwartzman does a good job of being that. I think he's he's a good as a chem as like a chemistry partnership. He's a good antithesis to Michael Sarah. Uh, those two actors. Uh, play off as opposing uh, uh, dynamics really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they do a really smart creative decision. I know that they're fast tracking the arc, but like to have Scott do the whole bit where he goes after Gideon and uh, gets the power of love sword, which is from book four. So it was a reference to that, but then has to do it all again, comes back. I'm going to fight you for me. Power of self-respect. Uh, Plus that, seven balls. That is a, that is a cool that is a cool interpretation that they are doing purely for the film uh, at this point that yeah. they're running with trying to get the sense of the arc. And like, I love the shift that happens for a lot of different characters when Scott comes back again, like because of the things he says, he's like, you are no longer young Neil. You are just Neil. <laughs> um, the band sounds way better with you. Um, yeah. And then uh, when, when Kim feels better about, it, she's like, the the shifted energy from like we're here to sell out to we're here to watch Scott Pilgrim kick your teeth in yeah uh, uh, really really good and really her little vibes. smile yeah like does so much like it it's like it's like just such a little moment but like like she really feels like oh he he he's changed a little bit that's great like it, yeah. it's nice yeah I do I, I do want to because I I feel like we highlighted a lot for her, like the 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 badness uh, yeah, yeah of of not having the books like where that got in the way of what they were doing but like what's here is still good mm-hmm. and yeah. the reason it's good is because of a lot of these interpretations that they are making with that like by flying by the sea of their pants mm-hmm. Allison, just Allison Pill her, her scene where it's like we are sex babam and we're here to sell out <laughs> and stuff it lives in my brain rent free and then that whole scene where she just like gets all this energy is like we're here to watch Scott Pilgrim kick your teeth and, and brings in the band I, is it's such a good it is a great dynamic of you know scott growing kim growing as little as as obviously there's more in the books but it's still it's just you feel the different energy like when the first time when get the the first fight when getting yells kimberly and yeah obviously she's like whatever or when uh, <laughs> there goes our deal steven says we're still getting paid right there goes the, he starts picking up the coins as much as he could yeah. and kim is just like eh, whatever uh i'm sure they tried to find a way to not end up in this situation but i do think it's a bummer that when we get to the confrontation with gideon we no longer have wallace wells in the movie yeah yeah um it wallace is wells is no longer a relevant character and i think that is a bummer um he could have been at the he could have been there just chilling out i think the reason Tomeo I think, shows up i think the reason and it's correct that he's not is because at that point scott is advocate or sorry wallace is advocating for scott against gideon he would not just be at the club that's supporting sure, him. sure if he went with scott that could have been something yeah, yeah, yeah. but like i'm sure they weighed like a wall what is wallace doing is yeah. it important to have him there that kind of thing but i do think it's sad that like the last 20 minutes of the movie wallace is out of the film like yeah. you don't you don't see him again and i i think that just is a bummer he as we've mentioned he's not only is karen Culkin great wallace is a great character to yeah. scott uh and i i do think that 
is sad yeah. that we just don't get him uh, in those last bits. Um, but but I also acknowledge that like motivationally for the story the film is telling, what is the reason he would be there? It's yeah, really that's hard fair. to find. Um, yeah. they do a they do a really good job. I did want to touch on they do a really good job of trying to skirt around like uh, you know, Scott's really gross, but like nothing happened between him and knives. It's not that bad. And like it's 2010. So like even now it's even worse uh yeah. culturally how we look at that. Um but uh I'm really really glad because I do think it would hurt the movie in hindsight that they did not go with the initial intention to end the film with Scott and Knives together. Yeah, I'm so yeah, that um, that would have I think that would have flown in the face of everything. They Even in 2010, like it's still kind of gross. I mean, it's always gross, but like the mindset of like culture and like a Hollywood movies, like, you know, like we have like songs from the seventies, like she was just 17. Like, you know, it's, it was a different time. That doesn't mean it wasn't wrong. Right. So like, yeah. I am, I agree. Like rewatching this, that would have left a bad taste in my mouth. Like, yep, I'm still going to end up with a teenager. I'm like, what did we yeah, learn? What that, did we learn? That would have been that would have been the thing. Is like I would I would really like so much of this movie, but I'd have to be like, but that ending, man. Yeah, what a whiff. And yeah. like I'm really glad that they were steered away from it. But y you feel you a little bit. It like feels like it's end, going towards there. You feel yeah. the DNA of it because that was the intended ending, and they changed it. Yeah. So like when that stuff is happening, you're like, oh, pull up, pull up, pull when, up, pull up. When he fights with knives and not Ramona, you feel the trajectory going that way. But like. Again, Knives being such a great character, she's like, what have you been fighting for this whole time? Like, I, I'm too good for you anyway, bro. Go chase the girl you've been fighting for. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, mm -hmm. Knives, thank you. Yeah. You've also learned. Don't yeah. date 20-year-olds. God. Love even it. in the even in the books too, Knives has an amazing ending in the books. Yes. But what's good? That's the conversation for the yeah. books. But putting it in perspective, especially like like we keep saying, take a shot whenever we said it. Five and six weren't finished yet. And Knives' whole thing happens in volume six. And Knives grows and she learns and she grows as a character. And it's like, it's really heartfelt. I mean, there's a moment before that where Scott is very like, where I just want to smack bad, him around. Bad, bad. But then Knives is like, Knives becomes the adult. Literally. Yes. I mean, literally and figuratively. She's like, no, I've grown. I'm over you. I, you were a thing in my life that yes, it's important, but I need to move forward and do others yes. and do other yes. things. And yeah, it would have been bad for both characters if the movie left them in that place. It would yeah, show hardcore. like it would show a failure of growth on both their parts. That's like it doesn't make sense. And I get it because chemistry-wise, Michael Saranel and Wong are really fun together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They 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 really play off each other really well. In a acting chemistry sense, they're really a ton of fun to watch together. And Knives is a darling. I love her in this movie. Yeah. There is no world where the two of them should end up together by this movie. Even even beyond the age stuff. Like, yes, the age stuff absolutely. There that's a big reason to no no, but also the the hurt that Scott like it Scott's not learning his lesson and neither is Knives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from uh -huh. what happened, if they get back together, like yeah. they're not growing as people. Like Too Sparks, you, um, you were the one who I believe you were the one who said earlier about how this whole movie is essentially you growing and learning to be a better person. Yes, and the books are a lot are the same way as well. You're growing, you're learning. It's like yes, people make mistakes. That's part of growing up. That's part of life. You <clears> do things that you think are right, but and then you have to deal with the, you deal with the consequences of your actions, but also you deal with the trauma that was left behind. Like, for example, Scott and Natalie, or excuse me, yeah. Envy. Especially, especially because in the context of the movie, 
Knives only learns about the cheating at the end, which means mm-hmm. that she's just learned about it. And the idea that yeah. she would go from that to being back together with Scott is incredibly weird. Like, it mm. just absolutely doesn't work for me. Had, yeah, yeah. Again, remove the age thing. Had she learned at the beginning of the movie, I, I'd at least find it like like she's at least considered this and processed through something. But she just learns it at this fight with Gideon. Yeah. So it, it really, really doesn't work. And I'm really, really glad that they turned away from that ending um, mm. because it it literally could have ruined the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, I, I don't think that movie would be the darling it is if that's how it ended. And, and yeah. I think we would all have like a big, like, I love all these things, but, but a big but at the end of that sentence. Capitalized, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think that, I think it would have weighed on Edgar Wright too, that it's like, you know, we whiffed it on this one. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, the very end. and if people didn't like this movie as much, who knows, we might not have gotten that animated series. Right. right. Like, if, if like, if like, yeah, that movie's kind of cool, but the ending <clears throat> sucks. Like, it would not be in the same conversation. Yeah, yeah. So like, good on them for for changing that yeah Yeah. Mm um yeah i think i i think there's i don't know that the movie uh, the movie does all the work to justify like scott and ramona staying together at the end either but um it certainly feels more emotionally correct and like i do appreciate that they have like the way they write it with scott and ramona and like him being like i kind of just want to go the same direction you're going right now uh it's not even saying they're getting together yeah it's 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 like can we just kind of start again yeah see Um, see work and like you don't know what that's going to mean um but that's a way better place to end it and i really like the i really like the um continue 10 yeah nine of like uh do you want to do you want to keep this going and and kind of thing as like the the it feels like a really strong button to the movie that Mm -hmm. uh again scott and ramona being put back at the core feels correct and i wish ramona were more involved in the gideon stuff leading up to it to make that feel a little more emotionally resonant yeah but it it works yeah uh yeah. as is it still it still works agree mm-hmm. uh, 100%. last thing i want to bring up it's the very beginning of the movie i just love the the long the long hallway shot of yeah. when they start playing and then like the cameras keep scooting back so it's like they actually built a fucking long ass hallway yeah, yeah. so like end with the couch and i'm like Oh man, this movie starts so strong. Oh my god! Like ever, there's so many things in this movie. Like every frame is a portrait. Like it's great. Love it. Once mm-hmm. upon a time, Scott Pilgrim was dating a t- a high schooler. <laughs> like it's it's really really good. It's just a really well cast, really well thought of, really well executed uh, film. It's almost a perfect adaptation. Obviously, yeah. the only thing that keeps it short is the fact that not everything it could adapt was out. Yeah, but mm-hmm. um boy is it high up there and uh oh, yeah. even even in the things that it didn't have the material for it understood the spirit of them yeah and it was chasing them and it it it, it might not like sing at a 10 out of 10 the whole time yeah but the majority of it absolutely it's a spiritual 10 out of 10 for me. Uh, yeah yeah i don't want to have this be like a big negative thing because i do th- there are some problems with the movie and we've, like I said, we've been talking about it a lot. Is that the they didn't have five and six? Um, one of the things, like re- after rewatching this movie and with the knowledge I have, one of the things I was kind of hope I was kind of missing from was the closure that Scott got from Envy yeah. in the books. I agree, and I do now. Once again, I will hundred percent admit that there's a lot of stuff that in the books that they weren't able to put in this movie. I hundred percent get that. And now that I have the full context of the books in the film, it's like, w- if, if we could have, we would have. 
But you know what? Yeah. What we have, what they were able to do with what they were given is still really damn good. Yeah. Uh, and go ahead. And no, I think Oh, I'll I'll just finish my thought. And even though there will probably always be things like, well, when we talk about the books in the future, or we talk about the show, it's like, man, I wish they put that in the movie, or I wish they were to to find a way to squeeze this in. Or what I was talking about earlier is like, if they extended the film, could they have added more stuff or more scenes that to bring these characters home? It probably, but we might have not liked this film as much because I think the more I sit on it, the more I mull over it. I think two hours, like just under two hours, is a good, solid runtime for this movie. If it was 2.30 or even 2.15, it might have felt too long. Because I will say, this movie is very well paced. It's mm-hmm. not going at a breakneck speed, but it's going at a very um, relaxing speed. And then when you get to the end, you're like, oh, wait, that didn't feel like two hours. I felt like I was hanging out with my buds. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like there will always be that. But at the same time, because we have the books, and because we have the movie, and now we have the show, every single one of these can they boosts the other in some sort of way yes and i think that's a very powerful thing and it's a very important thing and the game because the game does the a game, lot of yeah. stuff like that that's taken from the comics that aren't in, in our movies. yes yes right right uh yeah really glad we got the game at the same time that that also should be celebrated we get the cute little uh uh video game scott from the game at the very mm-hmm. end doing mm-hmm. the yeah beat him up um what i will say is like as a as selfishly um as a fan of of the books and and um thinking that this cast is pretty immaculate my ideal film adaptation is two films that cut the mm, series in half and sure. tackle both halves and fully explore all the characters and like has all the material so does everything that the books do and and brings that all to life because because the execution of those first four books into this material is so exceptionally well done yeah. that it's like, well, I wish I could have seen all of it because you have you have the perfect cast for it, you have the perfect crew for it, you have the perfect mindset for it. Yeah. So you're so so like selfishly, that's what I want to see. It's at for for what it was at the time that there's no world because obviously the movie didn't do well. It never would have gotten that sequel. That would have been a huge huge bummer. Yeah. Um, for the time period, for what they had, the movie's as good as it can be. And mm-hmm. that's really, really good. Um, like, the only things that hold it back are, like, circumstances. Uh, the movie itself is incredible. Yeah, if, um, if, and especially, like, ahead of its time. Yeah, There yeah. are so many things that, like, Scott Pilgrim is way ahead of the, of, of the meter on in terms of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like, it's setting standards even as it didn't become a... a a huge smash hit. Yeah. Uh, Scott Pilgrim was way ahead on the curb on a whole bunch of things. That's very true. And there is a, there is a worse world where like this movie didn't get greenlit and that movie comes out now and it has none of the flair and it's trying to ape the MCU. And like, just so many things that like, this is a singular like piece of art that also is an adaptation of a comic. And we're so lucky that it was Edgar Wright and the rest of the crew and team who had a lot of love, passion and respect for the books. Yeah. Yeah who none of them set out to make a the perfect adaptation or an adaptation that surpassed the books mm-hmm. they right. they entirely they entirely uh, uh subsume themselves to the original to the uh work of brian lee o'malley and say like this is the thing that's so wonderful that inspired us we are simply creating an adaptation tribute and like we're doing the best we can with it uh, but they have never tried. They've always tried to just like point to the source material and be like, but this is incredible. Yeah. And like, this what's, is why we're here. What's that? It's a, is it, is it a Jack Black quote or is it something I was like, this is not a cover. This is a tribute. 
Well, it's, no, it's the song Tribute by Tenacious D. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, You're they, right. They, it right. was Jack Black. I was right. Tribute. But that's, kind of, it, that's just such a stark contrast, I think, to like, th- I don't mean to totally throw Zack Snyder on the bus on yeah. this one, but, no, like, yeah. but like to the way people will be about Watchmen, like the superiority idea of like a film being perfect or, the, or superior to the um, source material. And like that was part of the, whether that was Zack Snyder's goal, I won't say, but like that was the fandom's goal, right? Was to make that film even better. And like, you can't. That's not the thing here, right? Yeah. Like that's just not the mentality of anybody. It's not the mentality of the fans, and it's not the mentality of Edgar Wright and the crew. They weren't trying to surpass the books or perfect them or do anything like that. They were simply trying to adapt and love the yeah. thing they already loved. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Good, good movie, you guys. I kind of hope that more directors. I'm pretty sure that when directors adapt something, it's like because they do love it. Um not to bring back Ray player one i'm pretty sure steven spielberg he did never read he if, if he read the book he read just because he can like get us some sort of idea of what he wanted to do with the movie but i know he wasn't a big fan of, i'm 99 percent sure he wasn't a fan of that book beforehand he i just have like, a feeling hey. ben that the, this is like that's one of the only movies that he made that what he wasn't incredibly passionate about mm-hmm. if i'm being honest that felt oh, yeah. like yo i need a new pool baby that's what it felt like <laughs> he's like you know what i have a i need to make another movie uh okay yeah i guess i'll just do this geek one why not uh this sounds easy for me to do and i mean once again i still like that movie it's not a bad movie it has but, cool stuff in it yeah it does have cool but then when you look at something like scott pilgrim versus the world and you hear about how much the director loves this movie like he is so passionate about it he did not do this for a paycheck he did this because he wanted to the fact that he got paid for it was just a bonus yeah and it's like, like in our in our landscape of you know we get co- so many comic movies on uh, whether they're marvel dc independent like a lot of them are and i'm saying they're like the movies are bad but like there are people who are brought on who aren't mm-hmm. maybe as passionate but like that's why i love dune because denny Villeneuve is a dune hardcore fan and that's a dude who understands the material and also wants to make a good movie to represent yo yeah. this is why i love the movie instead of yeah, yeah. they just ask me for a paycheck like that's you a- really feel a difference like with scott pilgrim and dune as opposed to like civil war or something that's a really good point that like edgar wright as a director and like his team they feel like what they're doing with the movie is trying to convey to you this is why we love these books um rather than uh it's i like it's not even one-to-one adaptation right yeah it is like they are bringing lines over they're bringing visual language over directly in some cases but Mm -hmm. they're not aping it they're trying to get across like this is why we love this yeah is because of what we see here and we are so lucky that it was edgar wright and this team that got to do this even as i wish that there was more of the material that i love in this movie yeah uh it i'd rather have this than the like amazon prime television series that came out two years ago that was an adaptation of the books that would have been absolutely like like not as well thought it would have been straightforward like, that would have been yeah. very straightforward that wouldn't have thought about like doing it inside and now to the credit of brian lee o'malley i don't think he would have allowed it um mm-hmm. but <laughs> but the thing is like we're so lucky that it was this special yeah and like mm-hmm. this kind of thing in film in film adaptation of comics let alone uh especially in like the culture that we've grown to be in the the wake of the mcu which this was still at the dawn of yeah uh we're so lucky that it got to be this. Yeah. And by all yeah. accounts, again, having not seen the show, Ben, you have like the new show rocks apparently. And like all the character stuff that we might've been missing. Like I hear like Ramona gets so much good stuff in yes. that show. So like, 
we actually like it might not be again like like directly adapting the books but we are getting the spiritual like yo this is what scott pilgrim feels like and it's about yeah, yeah. in animated form so like we it feels like we won again we got to win again and that's and brian lee lamalley's involved it is interesting that the entire cast from the movie is also the cast for the show but like maybe that was what they needed to get the show made which is right. fine uh but that's incredible like having edgar wright involved brian lee lamalley involved like we got we get to experience this experience this again soon and i'm excited yeah. about that show and i'm so much scott pilgrim versus the world i think it is a great example of like when we talk about like book adaptation and and, and it, it favors the medium it's in and recognizes where its strengths are and doesn't try to again, like feel beholden entirely to the material. Like there are things like Lisa, like we said, yeah. Lisa is a character they knew about and they decide like, she just doesn't translate to film um, for the story that we can tell in this medium. So we're, we're going to lose her. Uh, and, and having that kind of decision, like I, I'm much more, uh, while it would have been cool to see more of the material from the books, it still wouldn't have been like a direct, direct one-to-one of everything. Yeah. And I'm so thrilled to have like, a Scott Pilgrim movie I love, a Scott Pilgrim anime show I'm excited to see, a Scott Pilgrim co book, comic book series that I think is incredible, mm -hmm. and a video game that I love to play. Oh, yeah. How lucky for yeah. such a small niche thing to have almost, if I'm correct about the show yeah. being so good, all incredible uh, takes Oops, all on the same story. How often does that happen where you go across all these different versions of a thing and they all slap? Rarely. <laughs> very rare. It is a uh, doesn't happen very often. Let alone something this small in comparison right. to like yeah. big IP. 100%. Uh so yeah, I'm I'm incredibly great. And like a lot of like outside of the books, a lot of what comes after the video game this show comes because this movie hits uh in a way where like it's stood a test of time because artistically it had something that it wanted to convey. It was a well-crafted film that holds up uh, and doesn't feel like it's like we've kind of alluded to the cash grab kind of adaptation kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like there, there was a reason to do this. There was passion behind it and people who watch the movie feel it. And because, because it's not like entirely green screen heavy, like this movie will age incredibly well. Yeah. Like 13 oh, yeah. years later, has. this movie still looks better than some modern movies today. And that's just, that boggles my mind. Like, it's like, again, it's the right creative team. Incredibly colorful. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I uh, will say it's a 10 out of 10. I love this movie. Yeah, even with its faults, I, I also give it a 10. Like, I think I think it, it does so many strong things that, like, any negatives they have are kind of just washed away by the yeah. end. I would give it a 9. That's a good score still. Yeah, it's still it's still up there. I And once again, it's not that I don't think it's a bad thing, but they... Now with all the stuff, with all the context, with all the other versions, as I'm watching the movie, it's like I think about those other things, but yeah. I don't think about them as like, oh man, this movie sucks because they didn't add this very see this scene in the books, or they didn't do, or it's nothing like that. Yeah. It's just like, hmm, there could have been something there, but once yeah. again, I get it. I 100% yeah. get it. But the end product of what we got, it's still a fantastic time. Yeah, nine out of ten is still an incredible score. Uh, so and if you're if you're watching it, thank you, I appreciate you. And you've not read the books, and you like this movie, you owe it to yourself to read the books. Oh, 100%. because like obviously it's based this movie's based off those books, but like so much of the so much of this movie is just the books, especially like the first the first two volumes. Um, mm -hmm. and it's an incredible read, whether you read black and white or color. Like like check this book out. If you like this, you will love the books. Yeah. You will love the books. Oh yeah, I promise, hundred percent, guarantee.
And if you're doing that, then go check us out talking about it over on the Fake Nerd Book Club where we are talking about Scott Pilgrim's Volume 1 and 2. That's already out. Volume 3 and 4 is coming out soon. And then we are tackling 5 and 6 separately because they are... Too big. Big. Uh, Sometimes that's in page count and sometimes that's in emotions. Um, Yes. (laughs) So we're going to be tackling those two separately and that's still coming. And then, uh, yes, uh, near the end of all that, uh, we will be covering the Netflix show. Taking off. Um, uh, there there were desires and still are desires, I think, to play the video game, but we don't really know how that's going to time out or work out. If you've watched our holiday annual by now, you know uh, that I'm anticipating the birth of my first child. And so uh, mm. our schedules are weird, sure. along with other things going on right now. Work schedules, all that stuff. Yeah, and also when we try to play that game, because we were all in our own houses, we were trying to play the game, and first level, it glitched. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we, broken networks. We all played. Uh, if you've watched Basement Arcade, we all played DMNT Shredders Revenge Online, and we played that across different houses and had zero problems. And we just thought that Scott Pilgrim would go the same. It did nope. not. Nope. <laughs> um, not that game is broken, y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's still fun, but it broken. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but we will we will be figuring that out uh, one way or another. It might happen, it might not, but I, it's our lowest priority right now compared to wanting to make sure that we cover the rest of this. So we'll definitely be doing the books. We'll definitely be doing the show. Hell yeah. Uh, so more Scott Pilgrim stuff. Anything else on the feed? Uh, we're still covering Monarch over on Fickner's Watch. You can go check that out. Um, there are other things in the ether that still have to come out. Some other things that we still uh, intend to record. Um, but you can find out more about that by checking out FickNerdPodcast.com, following us on socials, subscribing to the channel, checking all that stuff out. Uh, get your updates there. Follow us, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Yeah. Ben, where can they find you? Oh, they could find me uh, fighting the world or defending my precious little life at BedMaga27, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Threads. You could also find me writing for Fusion Gaming Magazine, Old School Gaming Magazine, go to Nintendo.com and play Mary Frankenstein and Dean Dark. Uh, Ryan? Uh, you can find me eating bread every day for the rest of my life uh, at DJ Tony Snark all over the internet. Uh, you can find me getting it together against the infinite sadness uh, and facing the universe at my finest hour at Sparks Woody on Instagram, Twitter, SBA, or KZ Woody. I got them all. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got all I the titles. Be- all right. Between the two of us, I think we got them all. We did. I didn't remember that at all. Scott <laughs> uh, Pilgrim right. and the Infinite Sadness. Uh, Isn't it the title for Volume 4 or Volume 3? Which one? Which the one? The Infinite Sadness. That's three. Uh, four yeah, is getting but- together. Five is versus the universe, and six is... Uh, finest hour gotcha. um, yeah really interesting that they went with scott pilgrim versus the world title um mm-hmm. instead of scott pilgrim's precious little life i'm sure they thought about it i, I guarantee there's like like some tests like what sounds like a bet what sounds like a better title and i think versus the world it sounds like more like just just went yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah, I, I've often like wondered. I'm I'm so interested in the fact that Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is the second book title for those who are still listening and don't know. Uh, the first volume is Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life, which I'm I, I remain kind of surprised. And like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World has a lot more like the fight energy of like what they were selling and marketing. And yeah, but I but I always am like I bet in his heart Edgar recognized that that would test better, but probably wanted Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life. Yeah, man. The title yeah. Of this movie is far more like a. Uh, representative. You can't call a movie. Spirit of it. You can't call a movie Princess of Mars. You got to call it John Carter. Like you know, some, sometimes, God, sometimes you can't even call it John Carter of Mars. You dummies. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just got to go with what the lay, the lay people of the world want. Yeah. John right. Carter. It's like, oh, uh, but if John Carter of Mars, I'm like, oh, Mars, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, that was Man, a fun that... discussion. Um, all right, y'all. We'll see you next time. Until then, stay fake nerds. Mm-hmm.
Thank you.